Welcome to From the Heart, the Diocese of Salina's new podcast. Thank you so much for listening. St. Augustine once said, One loving heart sets another on fire. We can't wait to share stories and testimonies from our diocesan brothers and sisters that are straight from the heart. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another From the Heart podcast series. I'm Bishop Vinky, and we're very privileged to welcome Allison Dale to our show today. Allison, you go to Kansas State University here, and you got a very beautiful story of a journey to the Catholic Church, and I, we'd love to hear it. And so if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about where you're from and talk about family life and your religious life growing up in your home. Yeah, so I grew up in Protection, Kansas, which is an itty-bitty, teeny-tiny town in southwest Kansas. Um, absolutely love that place. Um, I grew up in the Methodist Church. Um, like, I went to the same Methodist Church that, like, my grandpa went to as a child. Um, my mom um, was raised in the Methodist Church. My grandma is a retired Methodist pastor, um, so I have, like, very... Wow very deep roots Methodist roots yeah um so I grew up like going to that church but since I went to yeah since I lived in such a small town like all of the churches did everything together so I was like very involved in the Baptist youth group and I went to the Baptist church camps um I went to the Mennonite church on Wednesday nights as a kid like all of the churches did everything together um so that like it really is really beautiful seeing the way that like all the people yeah. of God get to come together. That that's um, very uncommon. I don't hear that very often. It's great to hear. It I mean, it's kind of strange, but it like it works. So, how, how big is this town by the way, Protection Um King? I just looked it up a couple of weeks ago and right now we're at 475. Wow. So, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So yeah, in in middle school and high school, my faith looked it looked a lot like just a desire to be right and uphold a reputation. I definitely lived a pretty solid double life all throughout middle school and high school. I had a reputation to uphold, and so I went to church and I went to youth group twice a week. I like yeah worked at a church camp and like volunteered and did stuff like that but like I just had such a desperate desire to be liked by people um I just had like the desire to be seen and known and I was just like Mm. fulfilling that desire in all of the wrong ways Mm. so then like the summer before coming here I yeah, I worked at a camp again, and I was like, this is just going to be like any other camp. Um, and the theme was known. And um, just like this desire that I had had to be like known, I realized that like truly I am known. Like I, I already am. And so that was kind of like the switch I needed. And then like coming to college, I was like, I'm, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to, I'm going to full sin for Jesus and it's going to be good. Hmm. So yeah, that's, that's kind of prior to K-State. For K-State. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, when you talk about the, uh, 
I'm known. I, I don't know if you've heard of that book, I Am Loved As I Am by Sister Miriam. Are you familiar with mm, that book? I'm not. just want to recommend all our listeners to, to read it. When, when you were talking, it just reminded me of her desire to be known and to loved. Loved As I Am is the title of the book, Sister Miriam. I wish every college student could read it. So, so that's where you're at. And then you come to K-State and you're ready to, you know, this great adventure. And what, what happens as you come to K-State here? Yeah, so I got super involved with a Protestant ministry here on campus. And like, that was exactly what I needed. It was full of people who like truly are on fire for like living out the mission of Christ. Um, they like, they loved me so well. And they love Jesus too. Yeah. And they love Jesus. And they just, I had such a deep desire for good community because I just knew how, how much bad company like influenced me and like the people in this ministry were incredible company. Mm. Um, so I got very involved there. I went on the retreats. I was in the Bible studies. I like got to know some of the leaders pretty well. And at the same time I was doing that, I also started going to a non-denominational church here in town. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to get baptized. Oh, you hadn't I was, been baptized I, Actually, I had been baptized. Okay. I, in the Methodist church, I was baptized as okay. a baby. Okay. But I just, like, through my involvement um, with these ministries, I had come to the conclusion that um, my baptism needed to be a choice that I made mm. and that my baptism as a baby wasn't valid in some way um, because I didn't get to actively choose it. And so... I decided to get rebaptized in challenge and like as like strange as it is to say like I definitely like I truly believe that the Lord used that to like draw me into the Catholic Church. That, that's right and just for our listeners too once you're baptized and obviously in the Methodist Church I mean that that's a that's a baptism you don't need to be rebaptized but but at the same time maybe this church led you to believe that you needed to be rebaptized and obviously when you're baptized as a baby your parents love you so much they want to they they want you to be baptized so but at the same time god works in mysterious ways and so you're thinking maybe this is a way that that led you even deeper into the to the church go ahead yeah yeah definitely so i had I had stumbled into friendship um, with a woman named Bridget May. She was, was a rather chaotic human, <laughs> still is. <laughs> um, and yeah, we had gone to the KUK State game together. I didn't know her, but I gave her a ride because I knew she needed one. And the whole way there, all I knew about this girl really was that she was she was Catholic. And so my strategy to, I don't know, combat her catholicism was to play worship music in the car the whole way and then i was blown away when she actually knew the words and i was like what the heck like this girl is catholic and she knows worship music like i didn't know there were catholics that knew about this stuff (laughs) like i did not get it because yeah my view of catholics was 
they were Mary worshipers with no relationship with Jesus. So the fact that this girl knew worship lyrics blew me away. And then after that, like that time that we spent together at the game, we started hanging out kind of in the same friend group. Um, and she heard that I was getting rebaptized and clearly it confused her because, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't something she was familiar with at all. And so she wanted to hear, she wasn't able to go to my baptism, but she wanted to hear about like why I decided to like go through with that. So she came over one day and we just spent the whole afternoon like talking and telling each other our stories. And as she's like, as she spoke with me, she told me about like her pilgrimage to Rome and her involvement in youth group and like the ways that she had served other kids when she was in high school. And like, I couldn't figure out how to reconcile the fact that she like was living a truly holy life yeah. and the fact that she was Catholic. Like I, I couldn't figure out how to like piece those two things together. Mm. And then like later that evening, she asked if I wanted to come to St. Isidore's for dollar dinner. On with Sunday her. night. Yeah, it was, it was a Sunday night and I was like, well, why not? Like, it's dinner for $1. I cannot refuse that. I have no money. <laughs> um, so so we came here, um, Bridget and I and my roommate, and I will never forget this. I walked through the door, and the moment I walked through the door, this is like the first time I've ever been in a Catholic church besides for one wedding. I walked in, and I got handed the book by Matthew Kelly titled Rediscover the Saints. And I was like, you know, on the outside, I was like, ha ha, thank you. This is so kind of you. And on the inside, I was like, who the heck thought they had the right to hand me this? Like, this is not okay. I have a book with the word saints on it. Like, I am not comfortable. This is awful. And so then dollar dinner was so uncomfy, like not because of a single thing that a person here did. It was just like, I had so many like walls up and I was just sitting in this place of no one else here believes the same thing that I believe. I think all of these people are wrong and this is uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, And so we left and Bridget like saw how visibly like uncomfortable I was. So she invited me to grab coffee with her. So we go grab coffee the day before Christmas break. And she had told me on like at coffee that she was going to go on two retreats over Christmas break. And like, I didn't know anything about what these were going to be, but I was like, you're a human I care about. So I want to hear about like what your experience is. So she goes on these two retreats, comes back home and she FaceTimed me to tell me about them. And so she went to SLS. Yeah. Um, Which is part of the Focus Missionaries. Yes. Yep. Yes. And she starts talking about just like how she went to confession. And it was so powerful. And the priest, like first of all, the priest, 
what the heck? I was so confused of why he was necessary. Um, <laughs> like, walked the monstrance with the Eucharist. And I was like, first of all, why are you using big words? And second of all, <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, that is just a piece of bread. And, like, it hurts my heart to say that that's, like, where I was. But, yeah, I was so confused of why these were such powerful experiences for her and so that triggered a series of debates between the two of us that lasted from morning until past midnight nearly every single day of christmas break oh my goodness morning till past midnight my sleep You're schedule having, was suffering. Who, who has discussions about religion that long? <laughs> That's amazing. It was, I have never spent so much time, yeah, like pouring over scripture and watching videos and reading articles and just doing as much research as possible. But I just kept hitting this place where I was defending my arguments with scripture and so was Bridget. And that frustrated me so much because I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand how we were looking at the same text and finding two wildly different interpretations. Mm. And so just like after kind of hitting that sort of wall, I started really like researching scripture. Um, because it also frustrated me that like not only were we getting two different interpretations, we were also looking at two different books. Like mine had 66 books and hers had 73. Right. Um, and I was so frustrated. Like I like valued the scriptures so highly and I wanted to be looking at the right set of scriptures. And so I just like kept like studying the scriptures and it just came to this point where I was like, like I believe that the Lord loves us enough that he would have given us one way to interpret mm. his word. But of course, like as I was coming to these conclusions, I didn't tell, I didn't tell Bridget anything. I kept arguing, um, <laughs> forming my argument. Um, and I knew there were holes in what I was saying. And I knew that my, like my reasons were not fitting together. But again, just like going back to this desire that I have to be right, I wouldn't let go of anything because I didn't want to be wrong. And I don't, like at, at this point, I started to like examine like, okay, well, I want to be right, but like, why do I think I'm right? Like, where did these beliefs come from in the first place? Mm. And of course my parents, but like deeper than that, like like further back than that, like where, where did this theology begin? So I looked, I looked at like the Protestant Reformation and just like the schisms in the church and that just further solidified this idea that like the fact that there are over 30,000 different interpretations of scripture right. is that's not the way the Lord intended for it to be. Right. And yeah, so I was just in this whole place of trying to formulate arguments. And finally Bridget was like, okay, 
here's here's the deal. Like you're you're trying to create all these arguments and you're trying to win, but I'm gonna l- give you a list of three things. And if you can disprove any of these three things, I will cease to be Catholic. You will have wow. one. I I'm out, which was the boldest thing that's, ever. That's an incredible. Like, wow, wow um, she's confident then. She's, yeah, she's confident. She knows her faith. She you does, know. that she does. Um, she told me, if you can disprove the Eucharist, church authority, or apostolic succession, you've got me. So I decided to crack down a little bit harder. Um, So I started researching the Eucharist really, really intensely. And at this point, I started to discover the issue with reading biased sources. I could quote unquote disprove the Eucharist, but everything I was finding was Protestant sources that weren't accurately depicting the Catholic view of what communion is so i i ended up stumbling upon um a video from francis chan are you familiar with him mm-hmm. so he yeah it's like a big name protestant guy i had done bible studies from him i had watched videos read his books i have still have so much respect for this man but he he made a video defending um the eucharist from the catholic point of view and at that point i started to reconsider like okay i didn't realize um these things that he was pointing out just about like the history mm-hmm. and like the tradition that like the eucharist is rooted in and that, it really, really shook me. So I decided to move on because <laughs> I didn't like being wrong. <laughs> um, so I started looking at church authority. And it just took me back to, I just landed back at scripture. And I don't think the Bible just fell out of the sky. Like, we trusted someone to put the canon together so at what point did we decide we could no longer trust them obviously we trust church authority to some extent everyone does if they're reading the bible so when when did we decide it was okay to stop trusting the authority so that was another stumbling block and so two out of three yeah yeah i was like "Hmm, i am being incredibly unsuccessful at disproving these things And then actually, then it was time to come back from Christmas break. So I told Bridget that I would go to mass with her on, it was Monday, January 20th. That was the day we arrived back in Manhattan. I told her I'd go to mass with her if she would come to church with me on the next Sunday. So I like got to town, picked Bridget up. We went and unloaded my stuff and we ended up at a coffee shop here in town with a group of our friends and just this like disagreement and argument even being with our friends did not stop like Bridget would say the word seven 
um, because that's the difference of the number of books in our Bibles. And my heart rate would skyrocket from like (laughs) 65 to like 125 in the matter of seconds. I was like, this is not okay. This is not healthy at all. <laughs> like, I don't even know if we're going to be able to keep being friends if this keeps going on. So then after coffee, we went to dinner with our friends. And I don't even know exactly how it came up in conversation, but we ended up going around the table and everyone was saying what denomination they were. Hmm. Um, that's, that's not usually a dinner <laughs> conversation either. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were weird. <laughs> um, and it got to me and I had no clue what to say. Wow. Like I knew what I grew up as. I knew what I was practicing first semester. But I also knew that I had recently been learning about a lot of truth that I could not reconcile with with what I was practicing um, at the time. What you grew up with. Yeah. So I was was pretty much at a loss for words. And I think that was a a pretty defining moment. I wasn't claiming the Catholic Church at that point in time, but I also certainly wasn't claiming. So how did you respond to the question? What what did you say? I I just said, well, I grew up Methodist. I participated in Baptist things. And I'm currently learning a lot about the Catholic Church. Um, And we just kind of, I just left it at that. Then it was time to go to Mass. And a few of our friends had said they would go to Mass with us, and then they ended up backing out, which was totally a gift from the Lord, because I think my story would look radically different if there had been other people with us that night. So we came to Mass, and Bridget had prepped me a ton. Like she told me we're going to stand and sit and kneel and um, like people are going to say words and you're probably not going to know what they're saying, but that's okay. We're going to like sing a song in Latin at the end and you're going to be very confused, but that's okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, like it's, it's totally whatever. Um, and she knew how much I love to journal. So she gave me a little booklet to journal in and a pen and she was like if you need to just journal in this all throughout mass go for it I was like you got it (laughs) um so we came in and I did exactly that I just journaled the whole time I can't tell you much about like what happened at that first mass I mean that's the gift of mass it's the same every time but yeah so we we left afterwards and she drove me back home and I said almost no words from the moment of leaving the church till getting to my dorm. And this poor girl, I can't even imagine what was going through her head, but she was like, uh, are you okay? <laughs> and I just, I just broke down and started crying. Wow. I was like, Bridget, that was the most sacred and familiar thing I have ever witnessed before in my life. That was beautiful. (laughs) And I don't think she quite knew what to say after that. And after that, I asked her to take me to adoration where I had 
a really, really incredible prayer experience. Mm. And I kept asking her to bring me back to mass. And like at that point, I knew, like I knew the arguments, you know, I knew like intellectually, I knew the church made sense, but I was just so terrified of like what I would lose and who I would lose and the way that like my life would be literally picked up and flipped upside down. So I, I kept a lot of that in for a while. I, I mean, I say a while, it was like a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then we, we came back to mass. It was a, like I'd been several times, but it just got to this point where I was like, I can't not go back for the rest of my life. Like there is something here like this. This is it. This is the way that we were created to worship. And yeah, along the way, I met Father Drew introduced me to Bryson and Elizabeth and I got coffee with them and I was astounded by the fact that people could choose to be Catholic. (laughs) Um, And it did not um, make sense to me, but like just the way that their stories were paralleling mine um, was crazy. So I um, decided that, yeah, this is it. And I wanted to be like, I, I want this for the rest of forever. So I waltzed up to Father Drew after Mass, and I said, hey, can I talk to you? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, listen, I am a full sinned or no sinned kind of person, and I know I'm eventually going to be Catholic, so can I just go for it? Like, can I just do it? Do I have to wait all the way till next Easter? And he was like, nope, you don't have to wait. So... I didn't have to wait, and now I'm Catholic. <laughs> uh, when did you become? Well, first of all, so uh, Elizabeth and Elizabeth and Bryson were our Kansas State students who you got to know, and obviously they too joined the ch- Catholic Church as well. So mm-hmm. their story really—it's—it's it's amazing how many good friends Bridget and Bryson and Elizabeth just really had a, a beautiful impact on your mm-hmm. on your life, and that's. It's, it's, it's beautiful in itself. So, so when did you become Catholic? September 19th. Not too long ago. Just 11 a, days ago. Well, I have to admit, uh, Allison, that I was, uh, I came here for mass a couple Mondays ago, nine o'clock mass. And I'm just, first of all, shocked at how many K-State students are here, which is so beautiful to see the church packed. But then I was giving out Holy Communion and you came up and you were, you were crying, and that just really touched my heart and just the joy. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Wow. What a gift it is to be, wow, just like known and loved in like such an intimate way. I, I just look at my hands and wonder like how on earth I am worthy enough that the Lord has chosen me to meet me. Um, in such an intimate way and truly with you know okay the first time I received the Eucharist it was I just I just wept and 
I'm just so honored to be able to see that glimpse of heaven. Like truly every single time it is like a glimpse at eternity. I'm just so humbled that Jesus allows me to meet him in that way. It's amazing, isn't it? How much he loves us. It is. To give himself, to be united, his desire to be one with you. And communion is is such a uh, such a gift. It, it really is. It, I often have days where they don't go so well, right? I mean, sometimes I'll complaints or about this happening and going on, or whatever. But what I take the greatest heart in is that I received Jesus today, and really, that's that's the, I have everything in a sense, right? And everything is really small compared to to having jesus united united with us so allison that's a what a what a beautiful story and uh thank you for your beautiful faith and your witness and as like you and other people i've talked to on this from the heart series uh just just really moves my heart uh, your stories so thank you thank you for being on the show thank you. you Thank you for listening to our Catholic podcast, From the Heart. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes.